0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, friends. This episode of Big Blue Banter is brought to you by Picks. Head on over to Prize Picks and use promo code BANTER and they'll match up to $100 on a new deposit. Thank you and enjoy.
2: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Steiner. Joined as always, well my co-host, Nick Velato. And one more warning. We'll get these warnings until we get through them, but I am away for this week. Do not have my proper microphone, my mixer, any of the equipment. So you are going to deal with some bad audio compared to Nick's. That's uh, just how life goes. Um, eventually, it'll get through, and we'll get back to normal. But for now, just that's a fair warning. But we're doing mailbag again. Mailbag part two, Nick. Um, how you doing today, bud?
1: I'm doing well. Dan, I never thought I'd see you with or see anybody on the face of the planet in a Wisconsin, what is that, zip up with a Costa Rica hat. You go to Costa Rica for what, like five days, and now you bought a Costa Rica hat? What's, what's the deal with this?
2: Yeah, well, I, I actually, I right before I left for for this trip... I, we were golfing down there for one of the days and, one, mm. and before I left, I literally put all my golf stuff to the side, which is a hat. I'm not a hat guy. Normally, you know, this about Yeah, I only wear a hat when I golf really, um, but I put my hat, my golf shoes, the glove, the balls course like the flight comes the day comes it's like an early flight i have to leave at like 6 a.m and i'm like Ugh, i'm like tired and i leave all i forget in the corner of the room all the shit so i had to buy everything down there including a hat because it's 93 and sunny the crazy humidity every single day of costa rica it's insanely hot in that country so i had to buy a hat immediately because I knew it was golfing and we were gonna have a boat day i needed hat for both of those two things so bought a hat down there. And of course, I'm going to buy a Costa Rica hat when I'm Costa Rica. But you know what pissed me off about that, Nick? And this is, goes back to the sec- like a previous podcast, years uh, last year, when I used to wear my New York Urban League, when I used to play in that basketball league, that, you know, green yeah. shirt with the wings. You that an Eagle shirt? You got an Eagle shirt with Eagle's color. Someone right away on the trip was like, I thought you were wearing an Eagle's hat. And that- <laughs> this is going to go over terribly on the podcast. I just like the teal color, but you know, it's not going to work out, I guess
1: yeah no I don't view that though I, like, I think the eagle shirt when you when you wore that on the podcast I was like Dan come on not guys. an eagle shirt
2: it was a New York urban basketball it,
1: it looked way too much like an eagle shirt this I, I don't view that hat as like a, an eagle Just since that,
2: that just... podcast has happened I've like consciously not worn that shirt anytime we record like just, just, just that it's like you know back whiplash of like the fact of like oh no I don't want this to happen again I, I think there
1: were it. like at least five people in the comments though who were like Dan what are you thinking man like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it wasn't like a just a me thing like I what think a lot of people, shirt though. You know. <laughs> Not evil No, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know you know. Making yeah. sure
2: they know. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's get back to the mailbag. Let's talk some Giants football, and we're gonna start with a three-part question here from our boy Rob, who says: First of all, Nick Filato, your beard is looking great. Secondly, if we let Saquon walk, besides a competent O-line, would a running, would a competent RBBC that can block and receive? Would probably or he says a competent RBC that can block or receive would probably be the most likely and attainable solution to next year's run game. But when it comes to pure rushing ability, um, what style would you prefer? Yes, what style would you prefer your lead back? Interesting question. What style would you prefer your lead back in your backfield to have? Power, vision, shiftiness, home run, hitter. Obviously, there are those who excel in both or all. But I want to know which one you would want the most. And in this scenario where we have both equal blocking, receiving, which would you prefer? Okay, I like that question.
1: I think I would prefer the shiftiness home run hitter because explosive plays are everything in the NFL. So if you're telling me that the Giants could have got someone like a Devon Achan, and paired him with another running back who maybe was a little bit more like a brandon jacobs for instance just to go back into the the vault to look at a giants great from the past i think that's what i would uh prefer now with a specifically I, I don't view a as like a 1a personally just because he is like 190 pounds and he's injured often but i think the skill set that he brings is so valuable when it's used correctly and i think the Miami dolphins rushing game uses him correctly when he is available and he is out there on the football field. So if I had to pick like, who would you prefer my lead back to be? I'm going to go with the shiftiness home run hitter, but I want to pair him with a compliment that is basically a 50 50 split with, with that power type of back and somebody who has really good vision, really good footwork, and just basically falls through tackles and gets three, four, five yards, almost every carry.
2: Yeah, interesting question. I actually prefer so for me it's 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 the two things. It's the vision, the processing and contact balance. That's what I'm looking for at the running back position. I actually the home run hitter is not my priority, Nick. For me personally, I just think home runs at the running back position are so rare at the NFL level. Like, you look at what Saquon did in 2018. We had nine runs of 40-plus. At the time, it was only like Barry Sanders and um, Chris Johnson, Chris uh, CJ2K, who had had anywhere near that level. I just think it's very rare um, in, in an NFL offense for a multitude of reasons. Like, it's just so hard for a running back to make those plays. Now, you could get the guy like Achan who was like a crazy amount in one year, and there's going to be some guys in the right classes that hit the right system that fits them and have an offense that has like two outside receivers that command so much attention that the defense playing off where it can work but like for my ideal backfield that's you know great blocking and you know i would prefer those i actually always think there's value nick in finding the running backs who run the low 40 times because i always look at it like how often are you going to need these guys to run 40 yards in an nfl game they just don't get many opportunities for that I, 20 yard dash would be interesting to me or 15 so i'm always looking for vision Processing like James Cook to me, he's not the fastest runner. Even though he did run like a pretty good forty, but he's not like the. You watch him; and he's not like CJ, two K, or Barkley in his prime. But he uses the vision. Dalvin's an even better example. His brother he that's uses Dalvin. vision, his yeah. processing. Dalvin's a much better example. So he created a lot of twenty yard runs and fifteen yard runs just by vision and just by those cutbacks and the processing. So I always look like you even have a better chance sometimes having that. So that that's my lean at that position.
1: I feel like I'm answering. I just want both that's mainly yeah, like yeah. what, what yeah, my yeah. thing is and not in in two separate backs, right? right. I want a guy who could fall through contact and I want a guy who can hit a home run and I want them to be used interchangeably depending on the situation and the context. I like the, I like the, the change up. I like the fact that you can wear a defense down with the Brandon Jacobs and then throw a Devon, a yeah. chain at them. And the next thing you know, their linebackers like, oh crap, <laughs> get over there and tackle them outside the number that's sun. You know, that's, that's what I kind of want out of the rushing attack. If all things are equal as a, um, rob kind of laid out in this question rob also says don't worry dan your beard is also great also yeah nice also when it comes to twitter do you guys scroll from where you're at on the page to the top to see your timeline in order or do you constantly reload and press the home button to go directly to the top appreciate it and i love the pod
2: great question that's fun that's a fun one i'm curious to get your take on this nick I always reload, so I miss a lot of tweets this way. I guess maybe I should maybe reconsider this process, but I do always reload. I just I'm fire a, up the
1: top and reload. I'm a big reloader too. Big yeah. reloader.
2: I don't know if that's a good thing though. We probably miss a lot of good content that way, but eh, what, what are you gonna do? do? All
1: right. Sam what Rivera, what'd you say? Dan, what
2: are you gonna do? Again, Sam Rivera says, I wrote this to Dan in the offseason before they signed Daniel Jones and Saquon. Where do you think we are one year later if we didn't go this route? If TT had started, if Tyra Taylor had started all year with a rookie back, for example, I still think we would possibly be at pick six and kind of the same spot. We'd just be minus the Daniel Jones contract. That's an interesting question.
1: Yeah. So this is actually what Samuel uh, wrote. And this is what he's alluding to. It's, a, it's okay. a post below. It says at Dan Schneier NFL. That's you, Dan. Thoughts on the of- like
2: 2023. Good job, Nick.
1: Yeah, well, well, uh, he actually uh, put this. Yeah, yeah. I would love to take credit, but this is him. Thoughts on the immense progress Dable and Kafka had with DJ by maximizing skill set in year one. Could this be an argument for letting him walk and drafting a guy with traits that they can maximize in the same way, just on the rookie deal? Use the money to strengthen the team elsewhere, uh, elsewhere, as well as DJ has played. I still am not blown away with watching him. Still, some intangibles missing that I can't quite pinpoint. Not a hater, just wondering if letting DJ and Saquon walk might be the best long term.
2: Yeah, Sam. Uh, listen, bud. If you uh, if you have any if you have any thoughts on the next lottery drawing, if you yeah, know right. what's going to be the next big stock, what I should buy, give me an ETF. If you you know, give me what's the Bitcoin. Give me the uh, what well, not Bitcoin. What's the uh, what's the what's the word for it? The next um not big bitcoin like what's the next bitcoin gonna be right the next uh what are those why am i blanking oh crypto crypto. give me the next hit big crypto let me know because you seem to have nailed this one and it's funny i would have never thought you were a hater so many people would have probably called you a hater with that and that shows how stupid people are when they say you're a hater and like how last year anyone who said anything bad about daniel jones was just an asshole to them like (laughs) you're just such a hater like was that definitely the case it doesn't seem to be now so where are we at now only one year later and that person who was called a hater is not you're probably not even you yourself probably aren't even thinking they're a hater anymore. Even you yourself probably have your doubts about where we're at with Daniel Jones at this point. um uh, but it was a good question to begin with, obviously. And you know, look, hindsight is 2020 for Nick and I. You obviously were ahead of this. Um, I think even Nick and I, if you really think listen back to those podcasts and know us well enough, knew that we were never really fully sold on Jones. We were hopeful that things were turning around in the right direction and that, but we still always said like What we saw in 2022 can't be the ceiling. That has to be like the bottom of this. This has to be like, it's a new Daniel Jones. Dable figured him out. Now he only gets better from this point on. It was never like, that's
1: going to be it. And that's the ceiling. And we're good with this. Look, we we don't need to harp on this because we brought it up a lot. But our main thing after the 2022 season, we were saying was, uh, guys, the Giants were still dead last in explosive plays. That's a huge freaking issue. That was like our podcast was really driving that point home. And we said it a lot. You can go back and listen
2: yeah and it, and, it, and we knew that and you guys know and we know that there's no there was no ceiling with that 2022 offense it was supposed to be the ground floor it can't be the baseline and it can't be the 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 ceiling it can only be the floor to be honest with you for any kind of long it can be it can be fine that's your if you're okay just like getting to the playoffs every year and never doing anything well actually that's not even the case by the way that that wasn't even the lock, sit, you know blueprint for getting to the playoffs every year. That was kind of the ceiling of that blueprint. So we always knew it needed to evolve. Now to answer the question that was asked this time, Nick, um, where would they be at if they had let Jones walk and Barkley walk? I think based on the offensive line situation from 2023 and the injuries there, they would have still been in the same spot, though I think they could have possibly drafted even higher. Um, without Barkley there to help them win some of those games. Now, I personally believe, and you can disagree, I'm not going to get into the whys now, that Tyrod Taylor gives the Giants a better chance to win than Daniel Jones. That's just my viewpoint, or at least the same exact chance, but probably better if he had an actual chance to start in twenty twenty two. I think we would have seen that. um And then I think last year he was clearly better than Jones on tape, though he had, you know, Jones had worse circumstances. He played a harder schedule than Taylor, and the O line was much worse than when Taylor had it. That's true. But just watching him operate that offense, it's a more explosive version of the offense by a light years. And I just think he's a much better processor than Jones. Um, though Jones, again, I think they're probably on par. With, so. I think given the fact that you wouldn't have Barkley, they actually would have lost more games, the giants. So I would say they might've actually been in a better position because they would have a chance at may or, uh, or Caleb or Jaden right now. So I, yeah, it's hard to not. And obviously they wouldn't have the Jones contract. So just that alone
1: would put them in a better spot. And, and Samuel and and Dan dude, I know Dan, I know you understand this and if we got to be realistic with this situation. I don't know how joe shane and brian Dable weren't going to bring back saquon barkley and daniel jones after they won a playoff game like like the giant giant nation giant fans the rate everyone would have killed them for yeah. that and yeah. and you should never do you should never make calls based on outside outside uh voices or, or outside pressure or anything like that and i, and I fully understand that well, but yeah, have, you <laughs> but a lot of but yes but the Those things do matter and you can talk yourself. And I think Joe Shane, they all talk themselves into the development that, because Daniel Jones did develop a lot from 2021 to 2022. It's just all of the things that he didn't show in 2022. He also didn't show in 2023 because I don't think he can actually really do that at a consistent level in the NFL, but man, like go back to that time. Would what would have happened if they were just like, you know what? Yeah, we just want to playoff game. First playoff game since the last time we won the Super Bowl. All right, Daniel Jones, you can walk and take one. Hey, go, go fuck yourself, too. Like like that yeah. would have went over so poorly, dude
2: would have went over a lot of fans poorly a lot of fans would have been mad it would have looked like you're not even trying to build on the progress you've had like you're not it would have, people would have said are they trying to win football games are they actually trying to win football games and that's how hard it is in the nfl by the way to do the full rebuild like you'll rarely see teams do it because of this extenuating factor and you know what makes that even harder the the another extenuating outside factor that makes it even harder an owner who loves the quarterback and the owner we have john Marrow loves daniel jones and truly believes in him full wholeheartedly so that makes the decision even tougher to do you come to so him because like, you have to tell john in that spot like listen man i know it was great last year and to an extent i know we won that play one playoff game it's been so long jones looked better he did improve um but you know what we don't really believe in him long term he would have been like what the hell do you mean that's bs you want to start over now and I don't know if that would have worked and he would, and cause John would have said like, this fans are not going to handle this because I'll tell you this, Nick, like a lot of fans have come around now to Jones not being the answer because there's just so much of a sample size of it. But before this past year, after what happened in 2022, the majority it, it's taken a while to get a lot of fans to that point. Like just the fact that it's taken so long to get even most of the, a good amount of this fan base to that point shows how much they wanted. To work and how many people want, you know, weren't going to be okay with the Giants just saying, Go ahead, Jones, walk in free agency, and that's it. Barkley, you're done here too. And we're going to go to the full rebuild.
1: And honestly, I think it was the Tommy DeVito three game winning streak that really pushed people like over the edge. Of, okay. like a, lot, a lot of like big people on Twitter whose like whole like Twitter thing was, oh, Daniel Jones is the best. They kind of like started being like, well, maybe he's not that great. After an undrafted rookie, Brian Dable had an undrafted rookie win three games. Guy who was living at his mom's house going to, and win three football games. No and reps
2: and, with the first team guys. No That's reps so from the first point.
1: team. And he's throwing deep sale concepts and he's hitting guys from the pocket outside. And the stuff that we just did not see. With Daniel Jones in there. Okay. Right. And I think that's what really kind of like drove the nail in the Daniel Jones coffin for a lot of the people who are really just hanging on to it.
2: Yeah. And that, and that, and it, it took that point, but the point of being like, they weren't there last offseason. they weren't going to be there last no, offseason. Of course it was a course. tough sell for Joe Shane. And like, anytime you're, you're a GM and you're coming off your first year and a head coach and you have a great first year and you won coach of the year and you were in probably in the mix for GM of the year. And you're like, now we want to fully rebuild. Like that just doesn't Happen. Realistically, it may be the best thing long term. A lot of you guys, I know, Sal, a lot of people were pushing for it, and I get it. I'm giving you guys credit for seeing it and having a good vision on it, but I'm still going to say every time it comes up, because this might happen again in our fanhood, Nick. We're the Giants franchise. We haven't been that great. We may have to deal with this again and again. But, you know, we're probably not going to be there that time, too. And they're not going to be there either, because it's just rare to see an NFL team just after a, a playoff season say, we're fully rebuilding because we don't see a long term vision with this group. It's just, it just don't see it a lot.
1: So now but. at Dumbliners, asks two questions. He asks if the Giants draft the quarterback, do you think he becomes the starter or do you think they stick with DJ? Also in general, do you have any opinions or rookie quarterbacks starting versus sitting for a year? I think a lot of that is contextual personally. And uh, in terms of your regarding your first question, do you think he becomes the starter? I think Daniel Jones, if he's healthy, will be the starter week one for the New York Giants. Now, if they draft Kent Williams or Drake May, maybe that's not the case, and then there's going to be this awkward one-year situation. I still think even then they'll probably do the whole, like, yeah, Daniel Jones, our starter, yippee skippy do and then by week three, it's going to be the the rookie quarterback that they drafted. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I always would like rookies to to sit if if, if, if they're not ready. But if they are ready, if they can come in and be like a C.J. Stroud, then yeah, get him out there and get him in, and use your freaking rookie quarterback. There's no reason to have him say it. just doesn't seem like a lot of quarterbacks come into the league and or C.J. Stroud. A lot of quarterbacks come into the league and they really freaking struggle for the first while and some of them, get they never actually grow from it. So I think that's more of the norm than the the C.J. Stroud uh, prototypes.
2: I, yeah, it's a good question and I like your answer, Nick, and I like this question a lot. Uh, I'm going to uh, pick I'll get into both joe because i do think they're both good so if they draft a the quarterback do you think he becomes a starter so it depends where they draft the quarterback first all, i would say if they draft yeah. a quarterback at six do i think he becomes the starter if they draft a quarterback after trading up three or one see that changes a lot if they trade up for a quarterback i think he becomes the starter faster if they sit at six he becomes a starter, but a little slower than if they had traded up for one or three. If they draft a second or a third round guy, I think he would only become the starter if Jones is losing a lot of games in the regular season. The Giants are out of it, and then they turn to him for that reason. So those are the three factors there for me. Do they trade up for him? Then he To me, if they trade up for a guy, I think he could become the starter very early in the season, even possibly week one. If they sit at six, it's the same thing for me. I think you've come to the starter very early in the season, even possibly week one, though not as fast as they had traded up if they sit at six. Now, a lot of this will depend on what I'm going to say in my second question, where... And then the final thing is if they take one around two, three or four, I just think he'll only play if Jones struggles and the Giants are losing games and the end of the season is here um, early, you know, in mid season, like it's like it's been for the Giants most of the last 10 years. But to answer your second question, I'm actually strongly on the side of he should be starting right away. The rookie quarterback if, and here comes the big if, and this goes into the first part of the question too, if the old line is not a disaster, if the line is a disaster, I'm out on this. And and the quarterback also has to be a quick processing guy. He's not going to be some guy who learns the offense slowly but has all the other tools. He has to be like Stroud where you can get anticipatory throws early. The ball's out. The ball's out. Because Ucino line wasn't good last year, but it also wasn't a disaster. It has to be at least that level of, like, not total disaster. Because why I'm for starting in rookie year one, because, A, I want to maximize the rookie contract for as long as I can. B, if he's good enough, and you kind of touched on this a little bit in your answer, Nick, if he's good enough, he can start right away, like we saw with Stroud. And if he's not good enough and he sucks right away, is he even going to get there at any point? A lot of the good teams these days are saying no, and they're moving on faster from these quarterbacks because they don't think he's going to get there. So I almost want to throw him right in as, again, as long as the O-line is not like what it was in 2023. can't be that or at times the end of Eli Manning's career. the I think of the Eric, Flower, Eric Flowers-Bobby Hart year, whenever that was. Those are your two starting tackles. Like Everybody loves to pile on, like, your Giants twenty twenty three line was the most historically bad thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, you remember the Eric Flowers-Bobby Hart line? Because I do. I remember watching that Dallas Cowboys game where they just weren't picking up a single stunt for, for somehow for four quarters. You can't teach these guys to do it. So I think my answer is the start early. I don't love the sit for a year. And I know there's examples recently, Nick, of sitting for a year working but like, is it definitely because those guys sat for a year? Like one of those examples is Patrick Mahomes, dude. Like we're talking about like gonna be probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Like I don't know if it would have mattered when he played. It's the best of all time.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
1: What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize Picks. Go to prizepickscom slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepickscom slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit matchup to $100. You will not regret it. Oh, my friends, you know what time it is. You're hungry, you're starving, and you desperately need pizza. You should get the best pizza on the market. And that is, of course, Little Caesars. Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame, all day on NFL game days, and even on Pro Bowl Sunday, and get ready for some football fun and cheesy delicious pizza. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Yeah, exactly. Joe Joe Dumbliners at Dumbliners, also named Joe, also asks, After watching this postseason, do you think Shane is, can, put together a competitive team? feel like a lot of his moves are conservative with low risk. Can he be, should he be more aggressive? That's
2: an interesting question.
1: A lot of this is due to the team that Joe Shane inherited. I think a lot of it is also due to what happened in the first year of which of the team that he didn't inherit. Look, I think that. The, the first year, the plan was, look, we're probably going to suck a little bit, and we're going to see, and then we'll we'll reevaluate. Daniel Jones is going to be gone. We're going to look for our quarterback. Well, that didn't happen. They ended up winning a playoff game, and then they extended Daniel Jones, and now I think they're, they're living in that mistake. And uh, yeah, you can blame Joe Shane for that, but I don't think this was the original plan. And I think a lot of the moves he's making now seem to be conservative and low risk is because he's tepid about, about going all in again, but he did already go all in too. So those weren't necessarily conservative low risk. I mean, I know the, the contract that he gave Daniel Jones, you could say was conservative because he, he built in and out, but that's also just smart. And that's a prudent thing to do with a quarterback that you don't fully believe. So right now I just think they're stuck in a position where they were led to believe that they they were going to be better than they actually were because the success that they experienced in year one and now they're like crap we actually do kind of suck and now we need to get away from all the moves that we made to uh to to enhance our team when it wasn't necessarily ready to be enhanced, and now I think we really just need to rip this freaking band-aid off. Because I don't view Joe Shane personally as somebody who is conservative or low risk. I think a lot of this is due to due to the the quarterback situation that he has and him buying into the quarterback situation, and now maybe being like, oh yeah, we love Daniel Jones, but in the back of his head, he's like, oh god, man, like we need to figure out this position, and we're really now have kind of our backs against the wall. That that's that's what I think. Dan, did that make any sense? It made sense
2: i think it, i think i think it's a the reason why it made sense to me is because i think this is such a complicated question for a lot of reasons by the way amazing question joe these are back great
1: question yeah in my
2: opinion um but it's a comp. i'll tell you why i think it's a complicated question because i look at the moves he's made I think some have had some aggressive, I think he's made a lot of trades. He's done interesting things in the draft from a trade standpoint. He made a trade for Darren Waller that I think is partly conservative low risk, like you can say, but it's also aggressive to an extent. Like You're going out for a guy who has the talent to be a difference maker in your offense if he can stay healthy. A lot of teams are souring on him because of the injury history, and you know that his contract's already in place, so you don't really have to pay him a crazy amount. Plus, you're taking what I think is aggressive. Maybe you can use the term not aggressive, but like savvy might be the word instead of aggressive that the fact that, oh, he's a tight end. So he doesn't even have to pay that much against the cap because tight ends are so underpaid compared to receivers. And he's basically operating, assuming he was going to be healthy and a difference maker as a wide receiver. So I find those moves to be maybe more savvy than aggressive. So maybe the better word is savvy. He's taken some conservatism with some of his moves, right? Like he signs Daniel Jones, but only half of the contract is guaranteed. Those types of things, you know, he tags safe on Barkley, which I would could say is, is, is you could say it's conservative to me. It's like savvy because it's, it's aggressive and overly aggressive. Like the thing with aggression is you can be aggressive as aggressive as you want, but it doesn't make it right just because it's aggressive. Like that's not a that's aggressive doesn't equal wins. It can sometimes, but it doesn't always. So I'll be interested to see how he gets his quarterback. Like that's the one area that I would like him to be aggressive in, and I'm okay with him being aggressive in uh, the rest of them. I'd rather him be savvy than aggressive, and I do feel like he's been savvy in a lot of instances. So that would be my way to answer the question, Joe.
1: I think that's a really good way to put it. I think it has been a much more savvy than necessarily conservative because they did go all in to win this season, but it wasn't necessarily like we're going to just absolutely screw ourselves in the future because he did build in those. And that's what you would expect him to do for a quarterback that you're just, you know, less than a year ago, you you didn't want to pick up his fifth year option. Like (laughs) they didn't pick up the guy's fifth year option. The guy was able to convince them in a year, like, okay, maybe he's worth a shot. And now we see where we're at right now. T Mills 547230 asks, Hey, Nick, why does Bo Nix seem to be the forgotten quarterback of this draft? What am I missing? And I'm going to group you into this, Dan, because I haven't necessarily watched Bo Nix, but I'll answer this question anyways. I think Bo Nix has been in college since I've been in college, it yeah. seems like. I think Bo Nix is, is, is a much older prospect who went down the senior bowl, and he didn't De- he didn't demand respect at the senior. He didn't have a terrible event, but he wasn't great down there at the senior bowl either. And I think a lot of college football fans, people pay attention to college football are just like, yeah, this guy's been around forever. Okay. Like he is who he is, whatever. Like I, he's not that exciting. He, he, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of just like, yeah, Bo Nix, whatever. He'll be like a, maybe, maybe they'll squeeze into the end of the first round, but yeah. Oh, regarding, his tra- regarding his traits, I don't necessarily have too much to, to uh, opine on that right now, but I'm sorry, Dan. No, no,
2: I, I want to let you finish. I thought you, I thought you were pausing there um, or stopping, I should say. So I would say you answered the question best, Nick. The number one reason he's the forgotten quarterback this draft because he's been around for so long. That's number one reason. I could say other reasons as to why people might be skeptical of him, myself included. A lot of his production to me seemed like schematic-based screen passes, quick-hitting first-read stuff. And that's not just based on what I've seen on tape, and I haven't seen Nick's as the quarterback of this group that I've seen the least of by far so far. Nick, he's going to be last on my list personally. But just looking at the actual numbers, the actual general like hard cold facts production, he has more screen production than on most of these quarterbacks, and more of these quick first read production than most of these quarterbacks. Now, with that said, as far and and then it goes into the third thing you said, Nick, which I think is good. A good point. He didn't really have the greatest senior ball. I think most people thought he had a poor senior ball. Some of those, some of the, the the passes I saw just from people who were tweeting stuff out were not looking good. Now, one thing from the little I have seen of Nick's, Nick, I do think he actually has more arm talent than people give him credit for. I don't think it's necessarily always utilized in that offense at Oregon because I think so much of that is schemed up production, which hurts the overall value. Because when people point to Nick's, it's like, you are these amazing stats he has. Look at this completion rate. Look at this tight end TD. But it's like, yeah, but so much of that is schemed up. Like this is why I hate stats at the quarterback position in college because I think it's so meaningless. I think all this is traits based. I think if you're going to work in the NFL, it's basically just all traits based at this point because so much production and stats in college are just fugazi shit compared to the NFL. Like it's just it's it's a part what frustrates me a lot and it makes it hard. But when I watch some of Nick's and I've seen the least of him, Nick. I feel like he's got better arm talent than people realize. Like some of the throws I see him making, specifically when he's on the move, these three quarter throws he makes are like, damn, he changed his arm slot, he changed the trajectory, and he got the football outside in a good spot there. So I think he's got a little bit better arm talent than people realize. And so I understand why people like him from that perspective. But if you point to like the stats as your reason for liking Knicks, that's when I start to struggle. It starts to struggle for me because so much of that was steamed up production.
1: And, and he also had, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but. At Auburn, his stats were very modest, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, he had pretty modest stats. Now he was still like, you know, a rushing dude who who ran people over. And I and I love the fact that he's like a big, strong physical guy, right? But then when he gets to Oregon, it's like just absolutely blow up from a passing perspective and if i'm not i think he had like 45 touchdowns this year and he like hardly threw any interceptions so the stats really jump out i need to dive into the nitty-gritty as to how all of that manifested i know oregon's offense just generally speaking is very horizontally based it's i'm going to spread you out i'm gonna hit you with a bubble screen i'm gonna hit you with a tunnel screen i'm gonna hit you with this screen oh wait uh, rpo here we go okay i'm gonna run okay now i'm gonna hit the glance routes. <coughs> yes. so it's it's a lot of that type of stuff that's not necessarily always replicable in the nfl and but by um, the way, just to, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Nah, you're okay. I'm sitting over here coughing my lungs out. Oh, no, hopefully you're okay. I want to well, add to the point. I was, I was sick uh, while I was in Fredericksburg. Oh. To be honest, yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah,
2: that's not fun. But I want to add the point you just made. The reason why it's not easily re- replicate uh, rep What's the word for replicable? What did you just say? Replicable. 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 Wow, it's been a long day. It's been a long weekend. The reason why it's not easily replicable is because the game, and this we've talked about this before, the college game is so different. They're utilizing the hash, the difference in the hash marks, and the space they have on the field to run that style of offense. And you get to the NFL, and that's gone. And so it's like, uh, just it's like, damn, like don't talk. If you like Knicks, I'm okay with you liking Knicks. Talk to me about his traits and how they translate to NFL you bring up stats to me, I'm just going to be like, this to me personally is meaningless because his stats in a game that's so different from a rules and standpoint, from a schematic standpoint at the college level, especially with the way Oregon ran the offense, I think you did a great job breaking that down, Nick, Mean are very meaningless to me. I, I don't think they can translate at all the NFL stats specifically. So especially like the completion rate, like that to me is the dumbest one when you look at what he, like when you look exactly. at exactly
1: Which also uh, doesn't mean that he's shit either. Like that's no, another no. Yeah, because I remember, man, a lot of people that I respect in this industry, they hated Justin Herbert coming out of And They, like, mocked him to the point where I was like, look, I'm not going to study Justin Herbert's tape because the Giants just drafted Daniel Jones. So I don't think they're going to go and they're going to draft. That's just not the way the Giants operate. They're not going to do what the Cardinals ended up doing with Kyler Murray, right? Yeah. But I was like, I've watched Pac-12 football, and I was like, I kind of like this kid. Like, he has a huge arm. He, he, and I remember down the stretch, he, he, was, a, he was a great athlete, and he, he actually leveraged his, his athletic ability. And it ran a lot like down the stretch and like the Pac-12 championship and all that kind of stuff. So like, I didn't necessarily understand why so many people hated him. And that was a huge mistake. And now all those people have a ton of egg on their face because they, they, they just absolutely hated Justin Herbert's uh, tape. And I think a lot of that was because Oregon's offense, it, it's hard to study because it's the way it is.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And you did a good job of breaking that down. And I think when it came to Herbert, what happened in the NFL, you're projecting the traits, the people who projected the traits instead of the stats and the production at that Oregon offense, got a big win. The Chargers got a nice win there. They didn't have to trade up for Herbert. Like if you did redid the draft and there was Justin Herbert in this draft and we knew what we knew now and, do you think Justin Herbert would just be sitting on the board for the Giants at sixth overall, Nick? No, he's <laughs> no. no shot. A talent who's six foot five with that kind of arm talent and that processing power in his brain. I know he hasn't put it all together. I still think there's room to grow for Herbert as a quarterback. But there's with that stuff. processing, that arm talent, and that size and that athleticism, that's never lasting the six overall again. And maybe it will. And maybe we'll see another example of that with Drake May. People will overthink it and they'll look at the bad tape, just like they did with Herbert and the off and the stats and all this stuff. And uh, we'll overthink it and no one will trade up for him. I'm hoping that happens, Nick. It's my best possible route for this offseason. Just talk on the first mailbag. Overthink Drake May. Let him fall to six and have Shane not be overthinking that, please. And I'm not saying it hurt, by the way. May is a guaranteed lot to work. That's the stupidest thing. Just as Daniel Jeremiah said, there are no perfect prospects. No quarterback's a lock to work. Luck was the closest thing I've seen, and it worked, but he could have not worked too. That's the point. If every quarterback prospect was a lock to work or worked, every team in the NFL by now would have a great quarterback, or at least like 60 70% of the teams would have a great quarterback. You look at the numbers of actual great quarterbacks and just know that not the draft is a grab shoot. It doesn't mean don't take one. It, just, it, and it doesn't mean you're get, not getting a great pick if you take one that's the whole thing. Like you have to understand like this is a gambling game. This is a dart throw, but it doesn't mean you don't throw the darts because otherwise you're never going to hit bullseye if you don't try to hit bullseye. Um, but let's get to a couple more here, Nick, on this one, then we'll get to the rest on a, on a, on a future one. But I like this one a lot. So I want to get this one in from Keynes uh, 1029. He's a Giants and Mets fan, which is near and dear to my heart, Keynes, because that, or C James, I should say, not Keynes, C James 1029. Cause I'm also a Giants and Mets fan. So he says, what do you guys see in the tape of Wondell Robinson and Jalen Hyatt? What's the upside of each of those young receivers? Do you see any warts in their respective games that might stop them from developing? Good question. Well, Great question.
1: I am so glad that CD lamb went on whatever podcast he went on oh, this yeah. week and started singing the praises of Wondell Robinson. Cause I think Wondell Robinson is a very underrated wide receiver. And we've been talking about that now, specifically this season and, uh, and how his skill set and his, not just like his burst, but, His overall route running and body control post catch and while he is running routes in in, in the the pre in the pre catch phase of the game is, is something that I think can be leveraged so much more than the Giants offense has necessarily done right now. I think he is and can be a threat down the field more than maybe we have seen right now. I think he is a dangerous operator around the line of scrimmage as well. So with Wanda Robinson, there's always going to be limitations because he isn't the biggest and because he has, he's like the zero percentile for size, like an almost every size metric other than I think his weight. So he's small, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily bad. And I think he has a lot more upside than let's say other small receivers in the NFL, like a Rondell Moore, for instance. Yeah. So. I, I I think I think he has a very high ceiling, Wando Robinson, and we haven't even come close to seeing how good he actually is. But he's never going to be the guy who is going to be catching away from his frame because that's just not necessarily who he is. He's a very limited catch radius, and that sucks. So that would be his war. But I still think he's a very dangerous weapon that the Giants need to do a better job utilizing and leveraging. for Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt right now has so many positive things going for him because of his vertical vertical ability. His ability to stretch... Uh, defenses vertically and horizontally because that is going to scare the shit out of defenses, and that's very important. And I think Jalen Hyatt, deceptively, is very good at extending away from his frame and plucking the football and operating around the sideline. I think we saw Probably too many drops in his rookie season. I think he was only like calculated for four. I I'm I want to say he had more than that though. Just like watching the tape, I think he dropped more passes than that. I don't necessarily think that's uh, an indictment on his game though either. I think he can concentrate. I've seen him make very difficult catches with his hands away from his frame, take huge hits. What was at the Bills game or I, I think it was maybe where he where it was a fourth down and he he caught yeah, the ball over the middle the on a dig and he got absolutely obliterated, held on to the football. This is a rookie. I think there is work still with the route running. Now I know it was raw coming out of Tennessee. That was one of the big, big knocks. I can't remember the game. And I brought this up on previous podcasts. Can't remember the game, Dan, but there was a game where he was running a route and, and, you could see it on the all 22 that he didn't run it at the proper depth and he didn't do what he should have. And I remember when he was coming off the field while watching the game, Brian David was yelling at him and getting in his ass. So I think there's still a little bit of, um, uh, that's not a war to me though. That's something that can, that can, um, that can be adjusted and can be refined and, and, uh, and can certainly be smoothed out with experience. So in terms of Jalen high, I don't necessarily see a, a glaring war. I just think, it's experience, and we'll see how he develops from there. He might not be the most physical receiver. That's something that I think neither of these guys necessarily have going for them. But I, I personally remain pretty high on both of these guys. I don't know if they're going to be one A's for whatever that means, but I think they could be very good assets for an offense and somebody, both of them, that basically 31 other NFL teams would want on their roster.
2: Yeah, it was an amazing answer. Nick uh, ended up hitting almost everything I wanted to hit on both of these guys, so I'll just... Try to be brief with, with with this and do more of a summation. Wandell, to me, has a considerably higher ceiling than Jalen Hyatt from what I've seen on tape, and I'll tell you why. I think Wandell, the only things working against him are that catch radius and maybe the contested catchability, but I've seen that not be an issue for receivers that have been wide receiver ones and great level receivers in the NFL, like an Antonio Brown, you know, players of that mold. Oh, now man, Antonio
1: Brown was so good. Yeah, catch- he's he's not quite there. at that exact. Like, that's yeah. like the
2: ceiling of that. Like, he's never going to get to that level. But to me, his warts are less of a drawback from a overall ceiling standpoint than Jalen Hyatt's warts. And I'll explain why. I'll just get into it. So for me, Wanda Robinson, he's just so good getting in and out of his breaks. And that ability just makes gives you such a high ceiling to me. Also, I think there is a—he's not a big receiver, but he's a physical receiver. I think we saw that in a lot of those plays where he caught the ball, transitioned upfield towards the first down marker, took a big hit, and still got there anyway. And obviously, he has that running back background, which we saw a little bit of this year, which gives you more of a physicality to your game. So to me, like his warts—you know—the catch radius, uh, the hands, the, the ability to make those contested catches are warts. But if you you can kind of get around that, so I see a bigger ceiling just based on his ability to get in and have his breaks. And I know CD Lamb sees that as well. Hyatt, for me, has and I still love a player like Hyatt on the on the roster but I just see less of a ceiling I think high ceiling for me is when you have a really explosive throwing quarterback and an explosive offense that spreads the field out, he can be your big play guy. He can also, in addition to being your big play guy, that changes a game with one play can also be the guy that, like you said, extends away from his frame around the sideline on an out route and allows you to utilize all areas of the field throwing, you know, to outside the numbers, 10 to 15 to 20 yards down the field. He'll extend away from his frame and he'll make a catch. He also showed some better ability than I thought Nick last year at Yak. Yeah, you know, that one play he caught where he caught that little, um, Drag go over the middle and stopped his foot in the ground. Yeah. And some extra space to get that. Uh-huh. That's gap right there. But the issues I have with, with Hyatt that have me thinking maybe the ceiling isn't the same as a Wandel Robinson type are two things it's one the route running like he has to have a much more diverse route tree going into year two like I'm okay with that being what it was in year one but it has to pick up fast and then two, the play strength this was one of my issues what I saw on tape at Tennessee and I still thought it was a big issue for him last year now Robinson is not even big he's a smaller receiver than Hyatt but I think his play strength is much better than Jalen Hyatt's from what I've seen on tape so I need Hyatt to get to that level and that could just be you know getting in the weight room changing your body because he has a frame that he can grow into you talked about this a lot previously draft. And then once we drafted him, and I think you were right about that, Nick, but it obviously has to show up more on tape. So that would be my take on those
1: two. I'm wondering, I, Wando Robinson, i just looked up right yeah. now. He's a 178 pounds and I want to look up Jalen Hyatt's official weight from, from the combine. Yeah. I think it's It's 176 and which is like the fifth percentile. So Wando Robinson is still, he weighs oh, more yeah. than and he's than more or-
2: just shorter or, or more.
1: Uh, I think more. I think Robinson Robinson's listed at 5'8. I wouldn't be surprised if that's more like towards like five seven. And then Jalen Hyatt's, I want to say six foot. Or, yeah. Okay. Just or just six one. So, yeah. Or six one. So you're talking about a big difference there. And if you look at what has that Kyler Murray thing going on where like his legs are really thick. Like he's thick,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: two C's. You know what I'm saying? So like he's got that going on. So um I, I but just to circle back to the question, put a put a bow on it. I am, I'm happy that the Giants have both of these guys. I really am. Yeah, Matt. Sorry. We'll do one more, Nick, and then we'll, then we'll okay. do the next part. Yep. Matt, the boy asks, would Brock Bowers be too much of a luxury pick if they want a pass catcher at six with Marvin off the board? Also, for Buffalo wings, flats or drums? We'll tackle that second question first. For me. I think i I do think it would be a little bit too much of a luxury pick. and and I've liked everything I've seen from Brock Bowers. but um, me personally, I think that would be too much of a luxury pick. there's There's just this draft is so stacked. like i I'm going through this draft right now, Dan, and there are players that I'm like, like I think these guys are better than than guys in so many of the other draft classes that i've that i've that I've uh, studied, and I think they're gonna go with like pick twenty. Yeah,
2: which is great, by the way.
1: It is, it is great. Yeah, I kind of, at the same time, it's like, ah, man, I wish they had another another first round pick like they did in I mean, 2021.
2: Well, maybe if that's the case, Nick, and we'll see what happens if you still feel that way after you evaluate it more. And also if you feel that way versus the top blue chips and if you, how you stack those guys first, like, but if you feel that way and it remains that way, Nick, it might be, uh, you know, your blueprint might end up, being, your favorite blueprint might end up being trading back, honestly, and, you know, picking up a future first rounder or another second rounder in addition to that and getting into that 15 to 20 range from six instead and getting one of those guys while also building toward the future with picks. That may end up being something you feel ideal. And it may even be
1: something I end up feeling ideal as we go through this. We'll see what happens. that's why I love this process though, right? Like, right now people are asking us and I'm totally cool with people asking us, but like, I have no idea. I could change tomorrow my thought mm-hmm. process on this because there's so much information that, I, that I'm still na- naive to. There's so much information that I'm still unaware of it's with February. this whole process. Yeah. It's February, you know, we haven't even had the combine yet. And that's just right around the corner, which is exciting enough. I'm excited for that too. Uh, to answer your question,
2: Matt, would Brock be too much of a luxury pe- uh, pick? I. It depends on their evaluation of him. I haven't seen a lot of Rock Bowers yet, so I don't have my evaluation of him. But if the Giants' valuation of him is that he's going to be a game changing difference, making tight end at the NFL level. And I have seen some, some clips of him blocking and I've been, and I've been very impressed with it. I didn't know he was that good of a blocker, Nick. I thought he was just like a pass only type of guy, like a next level Kyle Pitts type of thing. But like, he's had some good moments in the run game that I've been like, damn, this dude can actually block too. So if they feel like they can be that two way tight end, that rare breed, like hall of fame type tight end, I'm definitely more open to it than a hall of fame linebacker, inside linebacker, or no, I actually like hall of Fame inside linebacker, but like a hall of fame running back, for example, that's the one. Like I'm definitely, I don't, I view tight end differently than running back. I view running back in its own breed of just, you don't touch that in round one with an early pick. Um, so it's like for, I'm a little more open to it. I know people are not at that level though, Nick. I know a lot of people and they have good data to back it up. And it does, you know, it does enter my mindset too. And make me weary even to that, to that extent. Of, you know, you don't take these tight ends or there's so many bus cases. There's so many, it's too much of a risk. And I'm fine with that. And I agree with that. I'm not going to lean that direction for me right now, Nick, if the Giants stay at six and don't take a quarterback and don't trade back, I'm very in the camp of, please let it be Malik neighbors. He's just that Dan Schneider type. You said it when you started watching him. He's a, my kind of receiver. And I know a Dunze, a Dunze has like, is it a Dunze or a Dunze, a Dunze, right? I think so. All right. Well, Dunze has like skill set too. That's interesting. But and oh, the giant thing, the size receiver. And we'll get to, there's a question about that in a future mailbag. But my kind of receiver, Malik Neighbors. This dude is just right up my alley as far as receivers go. And I just think he legitimately could have been a clear cut wide receiver one in a class that doesn't have Marvin Harrison jr. So that excites me personally. Um, And I don't think I would probably want to go Brock Bowers over a player like that, but we'll see what happens Um, to answer the second question. I have a strong take on this and opinionated shocker. Dan Schneier is opinionated about something, but that's how it goes for me. I have passionate opinions about things and I am team flats over drums. I think flats are light years, light years better when it comes to
1: team drums, baby. how? How, 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 I don't know. The I meat just,
2: is nasty up there in a drumstick.
1: You think the meat is that? Nah, bro. I think you suck on a you suck on a drum, dude. You get all those tendons and ligaments. You feel like uh, a freaking caveman starts coming back out. You're like, you, flat, you crush a flat
2: down before you eat it. Hang into the thing. The, the meat comes all off the bone like it's like smoker meat and stuff. The best some fl- team flats over drums, but we're going to end it there. That's part two of the mailbag. We're going to do some more parts of this as the week rolls on, but we want to break it up into smaller chunks since there were so many questions. Thank you so much to those of you tuned in. Have a great rest of your night or week or whenever you listen to this, and we'll talk to you soon.